At 9.22 in the morning on a Monday, December 6th, we're coming to you live. Ted Robinson, Michael Molinari, I'm Yogi Roth. It's Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. Why do I give you the time and date? Well, fellas, because anything could happen at any moment. As of now, Mario Cristobal has left, just informed his players at Oregon. He will no longer be their head coach. Of course, all all stories indicate he's on his way back home to Miami. I just see a press release come through at 923 in the morning that, yes, Oregon begins its search for the next leader of Oregon football. So let's just start there. Ted Michael, forget the pleasantries. What do you think? <laughs> I think not Chip Kelly is, is just what I'm going to say. Oh, Chip's not going to Miami. Is that what you mean? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I, don't, I think it's Chip. Chip's choice, not Chip Kelly to Oregon. That's my feeling. That's yeah. what I would say. Stop the speculation. Yeah. I mean, who who among us can be surprised right now after what's happened over the last eight days in college football? And, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on the moral high horse here, but the, the lack of integrity that has been displayed across the board here is pretty jarring and I think very self-evident. And, and, uh, and the other thing I would suggest is that the way Oregon played at the end of the season – would not necessarily be the greatest resume stamp for a prospective coach. Clearly the, the hometown hook between Miami and Cristobal overrode that, but and Yogi, you were there firsthand. I mean, that is a extraordinarily disappointing performance slash lack of by Oregon really twice against Utah in the last three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. A lot there. <laughs> of course, we're brought to you by betrivers.com, and I doubt anybody pre-Pac-12 game anticipated that game would go that way. Uh, so let's just start on a couple fronts here from my perspective. Uh, one, with the immediate. Mario leaving to go back home. In this era that we're in in college football, big money, big decisions, quick decisions, I I understand it. Uh, I think he played there. He began his coaching career there. I totally get it. Uh, the challenge is, of course, if they won that game, we're beating the drum for the CFP as a two-loss team, right? Mario's pounding his chest, talking about how, uh, you know, what a great season it was on Friday night. He would have been on our set. We would have given him every tool to, to share whatever message he wanted. But they got rolled. And as you said, I watched it firsthand, and it wasn't even close firsthand. I mean, you look at the first fourth and one, very similar to 2019 in the fourth and one that Oregon stopped Utah on. They didn't have a chance um, throughout the entirety of this ball game. So I... I <laughs> To me, you're right, Ted. Like, there's not a lot of other places where he's a sexy, you know, hire right now. But the, the reality was that all of this was going on prior to the game. He got asked in it, in it post game. I talked to people on the field at Oregon. Everybody gave him all the opportunities that he could have asked for to stay, and he decided to go home. So I I, I understand that part of it. Mm -hmm. um, the other part that we all just need to accept is that for all the fans listening. Coach probably isn't going to stay anywhere more than five or six years. It's just the world that we're in in college. Like Brian Kelly, 12 years in Notre Dame, anomaly. Like, I, I don't think we're going to start seeing that a lot. And you look at the big money that's out there now in college football, man, like that's just the unfortunate reality. So Oregon, they'll be fine. They were fine before Mario. They'll be fine after him. He did get them back to a really high level. We should give him his credit there in terms of how we recruited and the talent he brought to the roster. But the Ducks, you'll be just fine. There'll be a lot of people that want that job. Absolutely right. And that's a great call. And, and credit, as you said, Mario Cristobal brought life. He brought talent to Oregon. They could not win the biggest games. And that's that's just blunt. 
quite honestly, it's the same thing Brian Kelly did in his 12 years at Notre Dame. He did a marvelous job. Didn't win the biggest, any of the biggest games in which he played. But um, but having said that, let's let me be positive for a second of what you just said, Yogi, and how much should we all college football fans and in the Pac-12 treasure Kyle Whittingham for being the anti to what you just said has spent 20 years at Utah, like 17 of them as the head coach and has put together a program that in every way has been championship and now has the championship label for the first time. And it has and probably had countless opportunities to go pursue bags of money to go somewhere else. And I, I'm not saying don't go pursue bags of money. I'd be the last person that would say that, but to, to, yes, to Kyle Whittingham's credit, he has, he has not. Um, and I guess, I guess with you, the best truth bomb of the year right yeah. there. <laughs> and I guess you can go home again. Thomas Wolf wrong again with Mario Cristobal back to that from nine weeks ago. Um, yeah. So good for him. Good for him. He's back to, you know, a dream job for him. So he's yeah. been, he was nothing but good to us when we dealt with him. So I'm, I'm happy he's gotten to where he probably wants to be. Yeah, and, and we asked him about it Friday. I interviewed him on air about it. He said it during the week. You know, after they won the game against Oregon State, he flew home to see his mom. His mom is, uh, you know, extremely ill, uh, struggling on a bunch of levels. So everyone I talked to at Oregon was like, this isn't even a money thing. It's an emotional thing. And, and I'll say this, and Ted and Michael, you probably agree. Like, if your alma mater came back and offered you something, there's a pull there, man. Like, so... And it's, and it's Miami. I played against Miami. Ted, you were calling games with Todd Blackledge in the Big East back in the day when the U was rolling. So I understand it totally. Uh, I think we all thought like that would be the one place. I just didn't think it'd be this year. Like, and, and think how jacked up the industry is, right? We see it in the NFL all the time. Remember when, I remember when Coach Carroll went to Seattle. Jim Moore was still the head coach, right? Like they fired him when they knew Pete was going to come. Yeah, Same thing here with Manny Diaz. Like, I just got a text from his director of football operations, Dennis Slutek, who I love. I've known for 20 years. He had a job two hours ago, got fired, right? And that team had a nice resurgence at the end of the season. So a lot of people are going to be affected by this in Eugene that just lost jobs. Some will go. Not all will go. People in Miami, some will, few will probably stay. Most will probably have to find a new job. So... Part of it sucks all the way around. Like that's kind of the industry. And for Mario, I wish you're the best. I wish your family the best. I'm glad you get to be around your mom. Go crush it there. And and that's kind of what I have to think and, about about him. You know. And so and that's great, Yogi. So before we spin it forward, but to finish on that point, as you said, absolutely. Well, Meyer Cristobal did terrific. He's going home. We all get the emotional uh, hook. Um, Jay Billis put out a fascinating post last night when this was bubbling the story was percolating and you know he's a lawyer by trade and jay billis has a soapbox from which to be the conscience of college sports and he said let me get this straight a school that has a head coach under contract is negotiating with another head coach who's under contract to his school and how does the ncaa spell integrity and i'm paraphrasing but that was the post brilliant it was brilliant that was it and sadly Sadly, as you just pointed out, that's that's where college football is today. And these schools and the schools are as every bit as guilty as the as the coaches themselves. They're all complicit in this lack of character, as I would phrase it, in these dealings. It's yeah. it's bookend. I mean, think about Texas, Oklahoma to start 
the season to start. We started with that and how that was completely unseemly. And now we're ending with a lot of coach things happening that don't seem to be the norm. Okay. And I'm going to spit one more thing out here, guys. My key word, because we spent a lot of time last week is everybody, even though it's not necessarily our conference, the PAC 12 was the, the Brian Kelly situation. My final words at the end of the week, the two biggest words, no one, no one went with Brian Kelly. No one left Notre Dame. Huge statement there. Yeah. Well, what you guys just referenced is pretty compelling, right? Michael's reminder, right? Texas, Oklahoma seems like a decade ago, but clearly under the, you know, whatever that phrase is like under the cloak Un- of darkness. Unseemly. <laughs> yeah. And then you have what we're talking about with Miami negotiating with another head coach while they have a head coach. But you know who can't do any of that? The players. They've got to enter the portal before they can talk to anybody, which we all know probably doesn't necessarily always happen. But players get crushed for it all the time. So let's just be really clear that college football on Saturdays when we come on your TV screen, in between 53 and a third and 120 yards, it is awesome. It is bitching. It is the coolest thing going. Outside of it, it's great. You, you are so smart, Mr. Roth, because your words have never rung truer to me than they have the last week. What you just said, how great is ball Mm. outside the ball? Not so great right now. Ball is great. Yeah. Amen to that. Okay. So let's, before we spin it to a great game, because we're going to talk about Utah, of course, what do you think? Like, what's your gut reaction of like, all right, I'm Oregon. I got all the resources in the world. I've just seen two coaches, right, leave. Willie Taggart left for his dream job after a season. Mario left for his. We've all said we have no problem with either one of those choices. Fine. You left. You went to your dream school. You get very few opportunities to do it. But before that, they had decades of institutional knowledge. Rich Brooks, Mike Bellotti, Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich. Do you go back? To some of that institutional knowledge, like I get the Chris Peterson fandom that everybody has, uh, not going to happen. He turned down LSU for like eleven million dollars a year. He's 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 done uh, as of now. But do you go to Justin Wilcox? They played there. They wanted Justin to be the head coach after his first year at Cal at Oregon, right? But he had that word used by Jay Billis, integrity. He didn't leave after a year, right? So, but do you go reach out to him? Of course, there's a ton of chatter around. Chip Kelly going back. Jeff Tedford just said he wants to get back into coaching. Like, what do you, what do you, I've always felt Nick Aliotti should have been a head coach at Oregon. He interviewed for it, right? He's not going to get it. He's, but what, what do we think? Wait a minute. First of all, I got to stop. Aliotti had a tie on the other night. <laughs> you saw these pictures from the championship game and Aliotti has a tie on. I didn't recognize him. Where did that come? Who, and who, by the way, tied it for him? That was my question. <laughs> Um, anyway, so let me let me throw this out here and see what you guys think. Given track record of what Oregon has done in recent years in both football and men's basketball, let's just say the two marquee sports there, when they've had an opening, they've swung for the fences. They swung for the fences. They hit a massive home run with Dane Altman on the second swing because they held the job for Brad Stevens, who was a butler then. Brad Stevens passed. Uh, I'm going to throw a name out there that I'm going to wonder if the, the, the power at Oregon will make that call. 
Luke Fickle. Mm. And now Luke Fickle passed on USC. I've had pretty good deal that, you know, it was just a thing. And Luke Fickle said, a la Chip Kelly, who we've spoken about how much we admire Chip's stance. Luke Fickle said, I'm not talking until my season's over. Well, the season's not going to be over for a month now. Um, I just wonder if Oregon takes that swing. And, and think about this. Charlie Weiss, now it's 15 year, uh, 16 years ago when this happened. So I admit that 16 years ago, but Charlie Weiss took the job at his alma mater and he stayed with the New England Patriots through a Super Bowl. Remember, and he recruited from Foxborough and he did press conferences from, I forget where the Super Bowl was that year. So it's been done. I'm not suggesting that's the norm or the way Oregon would want to go, but I just wonder, I'm just throwing that out there and saying, I wonder if they just take the swing as Oregon has done in the past and go for the big, the hot, the biggest name out there right now would be Luke Fickle. A place, by the way, where, and I've been told this by people who know him, that he, the only way he would leave his comfort zone is to win a national championship. Now you can make the argument he has a chance at Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair argument to make. I understand. But you know, at Oregon, you really have a chance, right? Yeah. If he's going to make you wait till the playoff is over or till at least they're out of the playoff, I think that's, that could be a huge risk to take. Yeah. Now, yes, if you can get some information beforehand, which is, you know, possible, then less of a risk. And I don't, to me, it's just, it's just, you can't hit a home run if you don't swing for the fences. So I'm just, just, like I said, is, it's just is Cincinnati and Nike school, Yogi. They are now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. Well, big reason why he stayed. I talked to, uh, uh, the head coach of a quarterback commit they got. He was an Elite 11 kid. And the minute he committed, I think I talked about it on this pod. I was like, whoa, why? He's staying? This kid could have gone anywhere. And I was pushing a lot of our schools in the pack to go after him. And they said, no, he, the influx of Nike money, once you get to the Big 12, and the resources they're going to get, they think they can win. And where they're located recruiting-wise, it is different you know, than Ohio State because it's a different league. And they're like, he wants to stay. So who knows? I'm with you, Ted. Like, do you wait on some guys in the NFL? Like Oregon is sexy. Oregon is big time. Oregon. They got the facilities and the uniforms. Those are big keys. We know that, right? I mean, and they're building another yesterday. Yesterday I was there for basketball and because, because I'm able to trail on Bill Walton's tail, (laughs) I went through Hayward field. It was the most extraordinary thing. I, I could never fathom in my life that there'd be a facility for track and field in the United States built like Hayward. It's un, I can't even begin to describe it. So my point is, this is what Oregon is. This is who they are. This is who they've identified themselves as, as swinging for the best. Here's another name I'll throw at you. And these are just names I'm throwing. Bill O'Brien. Mm, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. It's been a big yeah. time college head coach, NFL head coach. Of course, he goes back to the, you know, the, the fired football coach's new home is Alabama. And he looked pretty good, Bill O'Brien did Saturday, huh? Yeah, he did. Yes. And if you're did. Oregon and you can pay the market rate with the great facilities in a in Eugene, which is a fabulous place to live, they clearly can recruit there. They've proven that. Take a swing at Bill O'Brien. I mean, and I again, these are things I'm just throwing off the top of my head, but it goes off of Oregon's track record. They have never bashful, they've never shied away from swinging big. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting in that regard, like uh, throw Dave Aranda in that mix as well, right? A California guy 
who I know he just yeah. signed, or I think he signed an extension. Uh, but with, with that said, Mario Cristobal, the best thing he did was, and I felt this, he out-hustled people on the road in recruiting. Mm. I mean, their staff was relentless. Talk to anybody who coached for him. They're like, I got warned. Like, he wears you out, right? A lot of very similar comments to Nick Saban. That's, this isn't a negative thing. But you are pushed and pushed and pushed. Recruiting is relentless. That's how they got the Cali flock, quote-unquote, led by Kayvon Thibodeau and all the kids from Southern California. So do you go down that road and everybody recruits? Or do you go down the road of, I go to Chris Peterson and his tree, the OKG thing, our kind of guys. Oregon is built. And I talked to Nick Aliotti about this after the game, walking to the hotel. They were built on three-star players. There's a lot of five, four and five-star players on the field that did not look the part against Utah. I did a breakdown of four versus like star rankings between Utah and Oregon. Double the amount of four-star players in the starting in the uh, two deep for the Ducks compared to Utah, right? So you go down to find players that you can develop that have a different type of chip in this era. It's just it's just different. It just and is. And I'll tell you what else, Oregon. In my view, is you're gonna you know I'm gonna harp on this point, but I think it really shined again on Friday night in the champ game. Uh, other than Justin Herbert. That position has not been good for them since Marcus Mariota. And they whiffed again this year. I mean, Anthony Brown had moments, and I'm going to give him full credit for the moments, but it wasn't there game to game. And it's certainly, my gosh, Friday night, Cam Rising was, you know, just well, Cam Rising was terrific and lifted, lifted his team. And I guess that's where I'm going with this. You never got the sense Anthony Brown could lift his team this year. Here's the thing that I'm going to piggyback on that, guys. They haven't developed a quarterback. It's not even just that, like you could say they whiffed or they didn't whiff. It's been Dakota Prukop, transfer portal. Vernon Adams was electric, transfer portal. Anthony Brown, transfer portal, right? Tyler Shuck was the guy they recruited. They started, his confidence was shattered. Burmeister. Burmeister left, starting at Virginia Tech, right? Uh, the, just just look at their, they, they recruit. Four and five star quarterbacks every year. I see them all. Uh, Robbie, like they're they're on the roster. They're just not playing. Yeah. What is what does that do to your ability to recruit when you've shown a history of bringing in your quarterbacks from the portal? What does that do to your ability to recruit a quarterback from high school? I think is that are people tracking that? Oh yeah, I think what you're saying is we just haven't had the guy, right? The fact that like Oregon pre an hour ago. Right was avail like was willingly looking at quarterbacks in the portal when they signed the top quarterback in the country and Ty Thompson two years ago. To me, is like th- that's damaging yeah. at times. Be- you know, and that's what other coaches are saying. They're saying, "Why would you go there? You could be the top guy in the country. But come in here and play right now." Now Oregon is saying, "Hey, we just want like he- maybe he wasn't good enough, or he hasn't developed like we saw." The guys bust as well, right? It's not like every five star has panned out. So I think there's a narrative that's pseudoly accurate on both sides, but I am a fan of this and I will say it uh, with hundred percent certainty. In my opinion, the programs that bring young players in and develop them. And I think Arizona is going to do this. Jed fish. We talked to him last week after doing their game, 11 States in five days, mm-hmm. Arizona state hitting the portal. 
I think the portal will allow you to be patchworky, but I don't think it'll allow you to develop a real culture because these young men that are coming in, they're not in the NFL. They're not 25, 28, 32 years old. They're 19, 20, 21. They still don't have it figured out. Their answers might be great when they get on a podcast or get interviewed, but I talk to enough of them. You talk to enough, the insecurities, the curiosities, the development of their own minds is still going on. So for the teams that think they can patchwork it together at a bunch of positions, I think what you're going to lose is like the heart of your team. How do you patchwork quarterback? That's the position, right? I mean, I'm sitting here listening to that Yogi and that makes great sense. And I'm saying, how do you do that at quarterback? The most important position by far on your team. And I, I, I have a feeling, and I can't verify this, but you guys chime in. To me, it's the Minshew effect. I mean, I think what Minshew yeah, yeah. did, in it was fabulous for Minshew, fabulous for Washington State, but I think it's caused this, well, we can do the same thing. It's not the way to go. Not at that position. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I say, Yogi, you can't develop a culture using the portal. I would argue you might develop a, a culture using the portal and it's not the culture that you want. Yeah. yeah and well said. Now Minshew was an exception because everybody loved him. Yeah. So you bring in a guy, it's, it's really hard to bring in a guy that can do the job plus come in and somehow rally everyone around him. I think he was a anomaly that we, uh, we got the chance to really do a few of his games and it was awesome, but it's a pretty rare situation. Someone can come in and do the job and win the team over. From the yeah, well, well, let me say two things on that. One is uh, everybody saw Gardner Minshew and his dad embrace after the game. I'm sure instantly I thought to when we had him mic'd up yeah. for the Stanford Wazoo game. And if you go back and watch that game, there's no audio of Gardner's dad because his language when he was mic'd up couldn't go on television. But I'm sure Michael loved it in the HBO, truck. HBO. Yeah. So in other words, he sounded like Molinari does in the truck. Is that what you're right. saying? Exactly. Similar. Exactly. Eerily similar. Um, <laughs> But the, the next point of that, as I'm trying to remember it, is uh, Chip Kelly's nailed it. And why has he nailed it? And, and this is just me being a little soapboxy, but where are his guys? Notre Dame, Alabama, Duke, right? The key, con Stanford, key contributors, right? So I just think that there's a reason somebody's in the portal. And I think that for Cam Rising, it was the right move, right? But we learned who Cam Rising was, again, to Jay Billis's and Ted's earlier discussion around integrity. He could have bolted, didn't. I interviewed him after the game on, at, at the 50 on midfield, and he said, it's a year and one day since I had surgery. What a journey, right? Could have bolted, didn't. So I, I just think that each case is different, but it's, it's going to be you – can't, you can't blame a coach for thinking, I'm going to go win in the portal because you can get guys that you know how they play because you see them on film. Right. What you don't know is who they are, and they didn't come up. It's like when you hire assistant coaches. I learned this from Coach Carroll. He would always say, I'm not bringing in people from the outside because they're going to come in with their own philosophy. If they disagree with me on mine, that room is going to be split. I'd rather grow young coaches from within. Go back to – here we go, full circle, the Oregon thing. They grew it all from within. Yeah. And I'm not saying it wasn't the right move to get away from that because college football does evolve – but I think there is something to understanding what your program's DNA is. Mario Cristobal is going to go do that at Miami. Who's going to come do that at Oregon? Yeah. Cam, Cam Rising voted captain by his Utah teammates. Another anomaly, perhaps. 
Amen. Preseason. All right. So before we move on to our next topic, let me tell you a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now is the time they're offering still a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. They have a new rush pay instant approval element. So withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. So with football season, kick it into bowl season, get in on the action. Go to BetRivers.com today. Download the BetRivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's start with uh, Utah at 1-2. and two. Kyle Whittingham told us post-game, if you said we'd go to the Rose Bowl at 1-2, and two, I would have probably laughed and called you crazy. I doubt anybody betted on that, but that's the reality. What, can, what do you have to say? What do we have to say about Kyle Whittingham, our obvious coach of the year? Yeah. Well, I'd say this. I, I would think Kyle right now uh, would would jump up. There are two schools right now that would jump up, and if we could get the uh, CFP expanded to 12 teams right now, they'd be ecstatic. One is Notre Dame, and the other is Utah. Because two teams that played November, they played their best football in November. And Notre Dame fell one spot short and their schedule wasn't, you know, Notre Dame, by the way, got really hurt by the PAC 12 this year, USC and Stanford. It really hurt Notre Dame. But anyway, Utah playing great football at the end of the year. And that's my gosh, if they could get in, I I thought it was very fair, by the way, they were the highest ranked three loss team in the final CFP standing. And I think that was absolutely just and fair. Um, And my goodness, what, what, Again, what Kyle's done, and I'm glad because we, you know, we kept hearing these little, little, uh, little rumblings during the year that Kyle might be ready to say, "I'm done. I'm going to go be a grandpa." And he pretty much shot that down. I'm assuming he did when you you must have spoke with him uh, in Vegas, Yog. Yeah, I, I didn't ask him that question at the time because he was having so much fun yeah. that I'm going to be at the Rose Bowl for the Pac-12, and I'll definitely be one of my questions post game, hopefully after a win over Ohio State, but. I don't see him going anywhere when you look at this team. I think 19 of the 22 guys in the 2 deep are coming back or have a chance to come back. Outside of Devin Lloyd, we know he's gone. And you, you say going anywhere. You don't just mean retirement. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, he gets you never know these job. days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I, what, what did you think? Well, Utah was one of the first teams I ever was a producer on way back in the, you know, the versus days and the amazing thing about Kyle Whittingham and over those probably 18 to 20 years, his approach has not changed one bit. And I'm not saying he hasn't evolved strategically, but the way he approaches the media, the way he talks to his team, he's been consistent for 18 years and no surprise a, the success he's had long haul and B the way this team was able to turn around when things started slow because you had the leader of the program probably not wavering in any way, even though they had a bad start and they had that confidence and that stability from him to kind of build on that and and turn it around. All right. Let me, let me throw this out at you guys. So Utah has been good for a while. Tavion Thomas becomes a terrific running back this year, right? They've had pretty good running backs. (laughs) They've never been short on that. Devin Lloyd, I think was best defensive player in the conference this year. They've had good defensive players. What's the position they haven't had in Kyle's QB. What's mm-hmm. QB? That's been the position. And so what turned it around? What made them a champion? Cam Rising. Yep. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. I mean, I, to me, 
we don't have a vote, the media vote, or the, excuse me, the coaches vote for players of the year in the league. Just so everybody at Utah understands that. <laughs> but I would vote Cam Rising, offensive player of the year. Yeah. He turns them around, they go nine and one. They average almost 40 points a game, almost 460 mm-hmm. yards a game. They average almost six yards a carry. They gave up six sacks since he became the starter. That means that the O-line loves him, but he also knows when to get rid of the ball. Exactly. He's also a threat. How about his stiff arm twice against Oregon? This dude has the it factor, which I will define as when you walk into a room, people feel your presence, and you make them better. Mm-hmm. This dude makes everything around him better. And to your point, they haven't had that. They've had awesome competitors, Travis Wilson. They've had incredible quarterbacks who've developed Tyler Huntley starting on starting an NFL game, but they haven't anybody that could deal like this guy and can run like this guy and commands like this guy and doesn't run when it gets hard. Mm-hmm. Like I just, yeah. and I think for Kyle Whittingham, I'm in a big debate with a lot of uh, our friends and, you know, this podcast community that we're on and friends? the debate is coach of the year. Yeah. George Whitfield hosts the, the, the Saturday night show. And we got into it yesterday in a healthy manner of coach of the year. And he Tucker guy. And I said, I'm, I get you. I get the turnaround. I get the bringing in guys from the portal. I get the Harbaugh thing for sure. It was awesome. But none of those guys had to deal with the death of two players. And I asked Kyle Whittingham post game. I said, coach, when it was quiet and you were by yourself and you knew you were about to walk into a team room to talk to your team, like, how did you figure out what to say? And he looked at me and he paused. He said, you know, there's no handbook for that. There, I, I had to just trust everything that I built up in my football life and my collective life to give me the tools to guide these young men in the most trying times of there. And quite frankly, my life, I'm paraphrasing here. And, and that's where I just say, in addition to having the guts to pull the, pl- you know, to, to say, let's change a quarterback and let's go with this scheme and let's stay with this offensive line and let's not go crazy and let's not fire a coordinator, right? Like we've seen all those crazy things happen over the course of recent college football. Just as football stuff is in consideration, but the other stuff, having to bury a player in the season, like I just, it's, I don't know in my lifetime if I'll see a better job from a head coach. And I hope I don't see one that has to manage things like this. I bet you he was consistent, Yogi. That's hey. uh, he didn't sh- he didn't change, and that's why everybody got behind him. Let yeah. me tell you something. I, I, Utah's been in the conference. They had a rough stretch the first couple of years. They were in the twelve. Um, I think it was five and seven twice, maybe, and I forgot about that. And I went back and looked, but for about seven eight years running, they have been tremendous. And what I was going to say was Utah football has been a tremendous asset to the Pac-12 conference. Tremendous. Yeah. And 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 I wasn't, you were there, Yogi, but I'm watching on, sitting at home, watching on television, and all I see is red in the stands. And all I hear are Utah fans. And I know Oregon fans were there as well. I understand. But what I'm saying is in a conference where we struggle to see stadiums filled, where we struggle for certain schools, don't travel fans very well for multiple reasons. Utah does. Utah answers that in every regard. So to me, that's the ultimate ending to the championship season is they have what an asset to the Pac-12 bro it was 
I walked into the stadium on Thursday. It's a Friday night game. And I got the chills with no one there. And when I walked onto the field in pregame and saw it filling up, and Utah was right in front of our set. And it was awesome when Nigel and Aliotti picked Oregon and I picked Utah and they went crazy and, and booed those guys. It was, it was hilarious. Uh, but you felt, I would imagine it felt like the SEC championship game or the Big Ten, the other two that really fill it up. And I looked around and I put it out on uh, social media of like, get put on notice, like the Pac-12 going to Vegas. It felt, we've been at every one at Levi's. This one felt like a championship, right? Even when, with Marcus and Arizona and Scooby Wright, like the lower bowl was full. It was cool. It felt like the ACC to a large degree, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't what it was. This, this was insane. And, and I'll say one last thing for Mario. I talked to him in pregame. He goes, we got to get more games out here. I said, yeah, why are you going to Atlanta next year? Oregon plays Georgia to start the season. It's a home game in Atlanta. No, 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 no. I got to imagine the Pac-12 puts a hard stop on any of those games. We'll see in Vegas. Um, okay, speaking of Vegas, Arizona State's going to Vegas. They're playing Wisconsin. I'm going to give you the bowl rundown here. Uh, the L.A. Bowl, Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, Oregon State gets Utah State. Utah State beat Wazoo to start the season and rolled San Diego State to end the season. And I think it's since 2013, Oregon State hasn't been in a bowl game. Awesome turnaround. UCLA goes down the road in the Holiday Bowl against Devin Leary and NC State. Dorian, we still don't know if he's coming back or not. He's kind of putting all these cryptic things out on Instagram. We'll see. Alamo, of course, Oklahoma and Bob Stoops against Oregon. And we'll find out later today who's going to be their interim head coach. Uh, I referenced Vegas. Uh, no Rashad White. Sun Bowl. Wazoo and Miami. We've seen this before. Remember, it was like snowing and it was Leach against Miami. It was a weird game a couple years ago. Uh, Mario Cristobal, I'm sure he'll get interviewed in that game. That's just kind of interesting. Jake Dicker, now the full-time head coach. That seems like a decade ago, and it was a few days ago when he got <laughs> formally introduced. And then the Rose, Utah, Ohio State. Where do you want to go? Like, we'll, we'll preview them all eventually, but like when you saw the lineup, I'm waiting for Ted to make a bowl season comment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting. Well, no, I was I was waiting for the rundown. Who? Because, by the way, two things. First of all, I, I'm not sure. Is there a milk and magnesia bowl, or <laughs> no. do we miss that one? We're not. We're not. The Pac-12 is not. Coming no out. weed whacker either, but, Ted. But I was I was really ecstatic because Michael knows well my love of of the bowl season, and um, that. Brad, uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget his name. Anyway, there's the actor. I'm blanking on his name. This had to be smiling his tail off. The actor that did this marvelous job portraying Buddy Garrity on the oh. TV show Friday Night Lights, because the six and seven fighting rainbows of Hawaii are playing in a bowl game, which is just wonderful. I'm so ecstatic. And they, didn't they, they added a bowl game so Hawaii could play in Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii's playing in Hawaii, exactly. I forget who they're playing, a 6-6 six and six team, and I just think that's magnificent. So, again, for listeners who don't who are not familiar, I'm just very simple. To me, the New Year's Day bowl games, those big six games are fabulous, and I would never put anything down on any of those games. But when we have 6-6 six and six playing 7-5 and five left and right, just make it the 13th game. It's just television inventory for ESPN. That's all these bowl games are. So just call it what it is. Just let's everybody play 13 games and stop the nonsense. And by the way, given our COVID protocols, these games ought to be played 
take four at a time and move them to one of these central locations and do a bubble. Vegas for one. Kyle Chandler would yeah, be exactly. happy, by the way. Exactly. Kyle Chandler is exactly. who we were looking for. No, no. The Kyle was Coach uh, Taylor. Oh, the guy sorry. Buddy Garrity. His first name was Brad, and I'm blanking on his last name, the actor. But he had, he's going to, I guarantee he's going to be on the sideline for that game. Guarantee he'll be on the sideline for Hawaii. I hope so. It's like, <laughs> how about, how about uh, Leach goes against Texas Tech? That's like the one oh my, random oh bowl game gosh. I'll watch. Whoa. How about that oh. press conference? That'll be fun, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Lots of, all right. So, Michael, what, what, what jumped out to you? Well, I, I mean, the obvious is it's always the one is the Rose Bowl for sure. That yep. I just, I want to see can Utah you know finish it off and i'd love it how how great would it be for the pack to get a win over ohio state that's that's the one without question i'm going to watch i think i'm intrigued a little bit by oregon oklahoma for sure and asu in vegas is another one that kind of jumps out at me those are the three that i was like that's a tough time though i think I, there were some complaints about like you know 7 30 local in the middle of the week or something but if you're a fan you're gonna watch <laughs> I've got to say, by the way, Bill Walton told me this. I didn't know that UCLA's game is going to be played at Petco Park, the yeah. Padres' home, which I think is cool because we've seen other places where bowl games have been played in baseball stadiums, and they're not designed for football. They're not going to be great football stadiums for a one-off. That's fine. I think it's going to be cool. And Petco's beautiful. It's a great place. And I'm happy if San Diego continues to want to be the host for a bowl game. I'm glad it's in San Diego and not in Carson. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, all right. I'm gonna give you a quick rundown here on these games. Um, for Utah, we talked about it last week. I understand your ranking was not reflective of who you were last week. I don't even know if it is currently sitting at 11 outside the top 10, but let's just rewind it to Sam Darnold and those USC Trojans. 2016, he gets named the starter three, four games in. They win the Rose Bowl first day of 2017 against Penn State. SC is a top five team. Utah, they beat Ohio State. They'll be a top five team, and they will have so much juice. And Cam Rising will be a Heisman candidate heading into next season. And Utah will be at a place they have not been at in a long time. And they open the season, I think, in Gainesville against Florida down there. So... Utah football, you are four quarters away from a place you have never seen. And I think this game is going to be everything we anticipate it to be. So I'll go with that. Next one, uh, UCLA. Let's give some context. Chip Kelly's got a chance to win nine games. It's kind of just the sentence. They got a chance to win nine games. Against who, how, whatever. They got a chance to win nine games. And they get to go down the street. I'm going to take Zane down on the train. I can't wait to go to this game. It's going to be fun. Uh, so I'm excited for that one. The one I might be most curious about is Arizona State. Chip Trainum's in the portal. Rashad White's not going to play. Jaden Daniels said he's coming back. What's going on? Is there going to be staff changes? Like, this team needs to show up against a team that we know will show up. We, we all know Paul Christ from a variety of different backgrounds. Graham Mertz. We know what he can do there. This team's going to come out, and it's going to be physical, and they're going to hit him in the mouth. I want to see what is Arizona State football. right? Think of four jobs open this year, guys. As the season went on, I'm sure at BetRivers.com, Arizona State, if there was one in the Pac-12, that what, possibility of a change didn't happen. Good call. right? So I want to see that. I want to see a consistent Arizona State 
team against Wisconsin. And, and Yogi, that's a great that's a great summary of that game because that's exactly right. And look, we just saw a game in our conference the other night where USC and Cal played the postponed game. And from every every, I did not watch any of it, but from every every report I've read, USC didn't show. And yeah. who can who's who's surprised by that? So you're exactly right for ASU because you know Wisconsin will. Wisconsin will come out and hit you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, all right, real quick, uh, Ted, you and I voted on our Heisman. Uh, if we had a vote for a player of the year in this league, where would you guys go? Offense, defense, I'm going to assume we all agree on Kyle as coach of the year before uh, these awards are going to come out tomorrow on Tuesday, uh, pack-12.com. All right, Michael, you go ahead. Well, I think it's it's a Utah sweep. I mean, I Rising offense now progressed the entire year, and Devin Lloyd made the big plays. I mean, that that inter- that pick six was the kind of that was the moment of the championship game, and it's not like he's just had a moment; he's had an incredible season. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to argue with those two, but you guys may try. I will, <laughs> and you're surprised. <laughs> no, no, I already said Devin Lloyd to me was the best defensive player in the conference this year. My offensive player of the year is Drake London, and I don't think an injury should. And it's easy to forget. Injury should not penalize him. He was a the dominant player on the football field when he was on the field. Everybody in the stadium knew the ball was going to him, and he still made plays. He was extraordinary. And if he had not been hurt, he would have probably broken all kinds of records. So that would be my offensive player. In fact, Drake London was in, even to the end, was in my radar on my Heisman boat. Yeah. He was yeah. that good. So- to me, he was that good. I think he still has more catches than any of the other candidates that are invited to the Bolitnikov, yeah. right? But he didn't get invited. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm excited to see what he decides to do coming off that injury. Uh, I assume he'll go to the NFL, but I don't think he's made any official announcement. Uh, we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about next week, uh, but we got to talk about, um, you know, we'll get ready to get to Michael's moment. I can't wait to see where you go in your humanity moment of the week after the champ game. But before that, um, if there is something that's preventing you from achieving your goals or interfering with your happiness, we have a place that could support you. Let me tell you about BetterHelp, betterhelp.com. It's professional help done securely online. It will assess your individual needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist to allow you to connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient you can start communicating in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp, it's not a crisis line. It's an avenue to accessing professional therapy without having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp has licensed professionals professionals who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, as well as relationship and grief counseling. You can manage and message your counselor at any time and get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Find the particular expertise you need online and do not limit yourself to only counselors who are located wherever you live. Do it in a manner that's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is available. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So if you want to start living a happier life or going through some challenging elements in your life, join in. And as a listener, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com yogi. Join over the 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash yogi today. Uh, and I'll tell you what, guys, I was thinking about that during the champ game. I saw so much vitriol going at Anthony Brown. This dude competed his ass off. He did everything that he could. So for all everybody who's trolling people online, if your team's not winning, like, check yourself, man. Um, and if anybody needs any support, please go to betterhelp.com slash yogi. Uh, 
with that. With that. <laughs> I thoroughly endorse that, by the way. The people that have never been on a football field taking shots at people that are doing their best to perform uh, as they're taking the shots from mother's basement is just pathetic. But anyway, I guess I just, just took a shot at them. But let's go positive. Um, <laughs> the big picture humanity was the images that uh, actually we put together for our, our football or our basketball game yesterday, just the images of the Utah players. It was just an unbelievable scene. Um, and it was amazing to see. And I, I just, I'm excited that we all got to be part of Utah's story this year. And I think it's one of those as we file away and we sit around and we have our moments where we talk about the seasons past, it's definitely going to be in those top three or four Utah's amazing turnaround and what they did. But that's the, the subtle segue. While you guys, Ted was watching that full stadium, Yogi was standing by that full stadium. I also was at a football stadium at that very time, but I wasn't in Vegas. I was right here in Manhattan beach at the Miracosta football stadium. And it wasn't, an athletic event it was the winter concert of the manhattan beach the manhattan beach winter concert of the miracosta high school band and my daughter kate came out to that field and her at yogi as you said you said this uh i don't know sometime this summer you talked to players what are you going to say you did during the pandemic to make yourself better what did you do well my daughter decided she was going to learn how to play the hardest instrument in the orchestra, which is the oboe. Why is that? It's double reeded. I don't even know what that means exactly, but I looked and it looks really hard. And her, her, uh, Mr. Carlson, the band leader said, Kate, that is not the instrument you want to try to learn out of nowhere. Uh, yes, you play the piano. You understand music. She is pretty gifted in music, but he said, that's a really difficult challenge. But she took it on and we drove to those lessons and back and, we listened to a lot of bad notes early on, mm -hmm. but Friday night she came out and as Yogi, as you know, when the band gets ready to warm up, the instrument that leads the entire band is the concert A played by the oboe. So she walks out, probably 150 kids on the field. The only one playing that first note is Kate and she nails the concert A and away we go. And it was just an amazing, amazing moment as a dad. And I never thought of having two girls that I'd be sitting at a football stadium necessarily incredibly proud, but that's where it was. So it was, uh, it was an amazing moment for her, an amazing moment for me as a dad. And it just gets going better because next week on this pod, I continue to make bad points. But Isabella, my other daughter, will be on point for the Nutcracker coming up this Sunday. So as a dad of two daughters, I'm incredibly proud and I can't wait. Molinari daughters continuing to write chapters of their story, defying genetics. Well done, Michael. <laughs> uh, I, I can't wait, Hayden, our producer. I want one episode for the holidays only. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious, man. Humanity yeah. moments. I mean, it's good for the soul. It really is. Um, all right. Uh, th this was good for our soul. I, I miss you guys. I, I will say for as enjoyable as the champ game was, pre and post game era blast. I hope and we will push that when the next media rights deal gets done, there's a world that has an ancillary broadcast for us to do this game. 
because I think we would have crushed it Hold out on. of the park. The Yogi Cast. The Yogi Cast. Uh, it works. <laughs> the Yogi Cast. You could call it whatever you want. Just get us on it. Uh, I, I felt I, I want us, and I hope our, I hope our listeners feel this too. Is like we pride on ourselves on bringing you the most in-depth, knowledgeable, and thoughtful Pac-12 football analysis and insight in all of football. And I want to do that one final time for a game. And we'll push for the Rose Bowl as well. But I know you're right. And, and that's right. And I'll say this about what we do. Look, terrific broadcasters and professionals, producers, et cetera, come in from other parts of the country to do games during the season on, on the other networks. Nobody knows the conference like the Pac-12 network. Nobody. And it's it's not a that's not a shot at anybody. Right. That's just what it that better be the case, right? Like we, yeah. we better do that. Oh, so, thanks, and, boss. Yeah. <laughs> well, just try to keep everybody happy. Somebody um, had to say that to you in yeah. life. Nicole, might as well be me. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a special guest next week too. So you yes, might want to, uh, you might want to stick around for that next week. Who knows? We'll amen. see. Amen. All right, fellas. Lots of love. Enjoy basketball. You keep doing it. And uh, hopefully the football news dies down, but I got a feeling uh, it probably won't. Talk to you soon. Stay safe. Thanks everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.